You must believe in whatever it is you offer. And the agencies know you are the greatest at doing that. Because the most important in federal government contracting, you have to sell. No different than any business. Like one of my colleagues, his name is David, and he brings in over $3 million a year. What does it take to win a bid? Because there's very a lot of competition. And selling means submitting bids. You have to win, but we always do. I mean, we just won an $8 million contract. Hi, Kinsey. Welcome to my show. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Happy Labor Days. Yes, happy Labor Day. I just want to say something first, okay? Congratulations for the Guinness World Record. We have a Jumbo Champion in the house. That's right, you do. <laughs> good, how are you feeling? Amazing. Good, 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 good. Okay, let me ask you this. At the A28, you were awarded first five federal government contracts. That's very impressive. What is your story when you first starting out? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so there, there was no business plan, blueprint, none of that. It was, I was finishing graduate school and I was a graduate research fellow at Patrick Space Force. At that time it was called Patrick Air Force Base. And there, an opportunity presented itself uh, to become what's called a contractor. I didn't really know what that meant. I just knew that I had to pay my bills. I didn't want to work like a typical nine to five. And I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I thought, okay, well, let me do this contractor thing and see where I can take it. And that ended up being my very first government contract. It was for diversity and inclusion services. And that was for a little less than six figures. Nice. <laughs> so walk me through the process, how you land your first government contract. It was really by them knowing me. So since I was a graduate research fellow, they got to know me and, it, and they probably thought, oh, well, this would be an easy way to keep talent is we have them as a contractor very similar to the concept of like a temporary team member or having somebody that a headhunter finds for you that's not an employee because it saves the federal government money by having by outsourcing no different than amazon and delivery people very same concept so i then took that opportunity and i looked around excuse me and I noticed, okay, I can get other contracts. I can take this blessing and grow it because it was just me at the time. So I looked into other opportunities and that happened through me just speaking and networking. And that's how I was able to get so many so quickly. What are the key responsibility and obligation of the government contract? First and foremost, 
you have to deliver whatever it is you're selling. So for instance, if the government, if they're buying chargers, portable chargers, you have to deliver. If it requires that you need to spend $100,000 to get the portable chargers, to sell it to the Air Force or the Army, you have to figure it out. In my situation, I was providing data analytics, um, research, things of that nature. So I had to make sure I delivered, provided all the deliverables, monthly report, went to all the required meetings. Because if not, just like with anything in life, if they don't meet the requirement, you're not gonna wanna do business with them anymore. And the government can cancel your contract, whether you are a subcontractor or a prime contractor, anytime that they desire, if you're not performing. So what are the challenges that you facing when you work with the government? One of the biggest challenges is there's this, like these myths and people out there who make it seem like the big bad government and they're so strict and it's so hard and I don't wanna do that. And I think it's sometimes stated to keep people away from government contracting because I have found the opposite. So the, the first step is you have to get registered. You can get registered for free on SAM, like Uncle Sam, sam.gov, get registered in sam.gov. And then the next thing is, what's key is determining what you wanna sell. So when I first started out, I kind of fell into this diversity inclusion space. So I just ran with it. So I ended up getting paid to speak at like a Women's Observance Month event for the Army Reservists. I ended up getting a contract with Office um, Department of Defense, where we provided the required diversity training for all brand new DOD supervisors. And this was just all through networking and showing my value. And that's the other piece in federal government contracting. You have to offer some value. Even if it's you finding chargers, how many companies are not doing that? A lot. Or even if it involves staffing and they need some medical assistance or they need someone to create the little ID cards. So many companies overlook opportunities. So the, the beauty of government contracting is they always pay their bills and you get interest if any payments are late. That's wonderful. So that's just why I, I talk about value, right? So I just went to the conference, The Vault by uh, Patrick David, Valuetainment. As yeah. soon as you enter the conference, they give you gift right away. Free gift, like a lot of gift, not just one item, eight item. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's different when I go to different conference, like Tony Robbins one, they only give me like a book, a template and that's it. But Pat David, he actually over deliver a lot of stuff. And I can see that when he um, talk to the other guests, right? He also give gift on top of the value he give it to the audience. So it's the same thing with, you know, servicing. It, it is. 
The, the only difference is in, from my experience, if you are a big company, you can do all kinds of things for your government contracting clients. But for us small businesses, we are really limited to, I believe it's $25. And what I have found is our um, perceptions are reality. So if I give a government client a pen with our business name on it, and somebody sees it, they may perceive that as I'm trying to influence them because perceptions become reality because I'm a small business. And psychologically, we have a different view. SpaceX, you can do whatever, right? Because you're SpaceX, you're Elon. Because he has government contracts. And so what I have found the best way to show the value and the appreciation, we do it through emails, we through, oh, do it through over delivery, we do it through making their life easier. So for instance, if something comes up and they want us to stay late or there's some type of new requirement that's needed in addition to what we do, for instance, with the FDA, we inspect vape shops. And so there comes a time where they'll have this huge surge and they'll want 500 inspected in weeks. We do whatever it takes to make that happen. So while that may not be a physical gift, just due to the limitations and what you can give, that is of the same type of value because now we're over delivering. They don't have to worry about, oh, they're not gonna do this because we didn't really put this out there that they're gonna need it at a, a short uh, notice time. So we find that that helps a lot. Are you travel a lot when it's come to a government contract like this? You definitely can. You definitely can. I travel a lot just for personal reasons. <laughs> just for me and my lifestyle. Um, it, it depends on. So for instance, for the vape contract, my, my employees, my team members, they travel to inspect the vape shops. There's other contracts where a team member will never travel. Uh, there's other contracts where the team member just goes to the government building or they go to the chapel. So for instance, we fill a lot of religious positions for the federal government. So we fill chapels for the Army, Air Force, and the Marines. Mm, that's very nice. That's very uh -huh. nice. So you talk about government always pay on time. So I watched one of your video, how to become a federal government with zero dollars. You ask somebody to do service for you and you pay for their service when you get paid from the government. Yes. However, what is the risk? I would say there's really no risk. <laughs> okay. Because, because that's what I did when I first started out. Okay. I didn't have any money. I didn't have savings. I, I did what you're not supposed to. I borrowed against my 401k. And the only reason I even had it is because I worked part-time as a college professor for a state college. So they had an equivalent of a 401k. So it worked out really well because everybody knew that's what's key. It's when somebody's misled and they think, oh, well, I'm gonna get paid immediately. I'm gonna get paid in a week. And then the prime contractor says, no, you're gonna get paid later. That's when you have the friction. Again, that's why we love Amazon. Amazon Prime, you're gonna get in a couple of days. We already know that. 
And if they're going to be delayed, they let you know, or maybe they'll give you a discount. And the same thing applies with services. If someone knows ahead of time, I will pay you within 30 to 45 days of being paid, then they get to make that decision. Do I want to play by those rules? And there were some people who said no, or they didn't want to do it for the amount that we offered. And that's amazing. I'm not asking anyone to decrease their expectations or their requirements. I'm just letting them know, if you want to do business with us, this is how we operate. Because the key to government contract is you have to remember, this is your business. As long as you're adhering to all the different laws, you run it the same way, however you want. Just like the culture at Google, I'm sure is completely different than Microsoft. You know, I've never worked at either, but I'm just letting you know, I'm thinking it probably is. And that's how it is in government contracting. Um, today, we do things a little different because we have cash flow. So people are often paid right after they complete the thing. So for instance, we had a team member uh, conduct some critical thinking training and she was paid right when the effort effort. So she didn't have to worry about when is she gonna get paid, but she knew that this was gonna happen. Awesome. Wonderful. I didn't know this. Now you tell me. No, I know. It's, most people don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, I didn't know until when I was in grad school. I had no idea. Okay. That's wonderful. You found your wonderful niche. <laughs> yes. I would yes. say the blue ocean niche, actually. It really is. And what's amazing about government contracting, going back to the, the chargers, anyone can sell these. As long as you can get them and the government's buying them. I mean, that's what's beautiful. Like one of my colleagues, his name is David, and he brings in over $3 million a year selling a variety of services to the government such as sign language, interpretation, art, um, holding illegally caught fish. He doesn't do any of the work. He subcontracts it, he outsources it. Some people will call that middleman. At the end of the day, you're subcontracting it, just like Amazon will subcontract out the people that deliver our packages. Okay, you stand as a middleman, you connect the two. Wonderful, wow. Yes. Wonderful. So what is the regulation and legal requirement to do the government contract? At the bare bone basics, you have to have a tax ID and you need to get, you have to have a physical address. That's really important. And then you're going to get a cage code. But here's something that's going to blow your mind. You don't have to live in America. Okay. I know. So for anyone who's outside of the United States, as long as you get an NK and is in Nancy, you get an NK and you can register and become a government contractor. So those are the bare bone basics. You have a legal business, you have a physical address, and you get a case code. And what's great is more, more than likely you will be and you are a small business. 
so then you're competing against work set aside for small business owners. And so you're not competing with SpaceX and Boeing and Amazon. You're competing against other small businesses. And there aren't that many who are actually going to apply. It's like a gym membership. How many people are going to the gym? Right. But how many people have a membership? A lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you, like, I go to the gym a lot, right? Um, usually, month of January and February, pack of people. <laughs> as soon as March hit, none of them show up. Huh? Right. Mind blow. Mind blow. And the same thing with government contracting. You know, you have people that get their cage code and they're all exciting and then they may bid and then they don't win because they don't understand what it takes to win. And then they stop. But you persevere. One of my coaching students, they stuck with it for a while for probably about nine months. And then they ended up got, getting their first prime contract win. It's for janitorial work in the state of Texas. It's a multiple year contract and it's amazing. What does it take to win a bid? Because there's very, a lot of competition you have to deal with. So what it takes at the end of the day is what the government calls the evaluation criteria. I think of it like when I was in school and when the teacher says, this is what it takes to get an A, you know, here's the rubric. It's the same, same mentality. So let's go back to this. So they may say, we will base this on the lowest cost, technically acceptable proposal. So in other words, they want the Dollar Tree deal, right? So you're gonna have to figure out how to be the lowest. Mm -hmm. There could be another agency, exact same thing, but their evaluation is maybe your past performance and cost isn't as important. So understanding that is key because it's just like being in school. You had the teachers that were like, everybody's basically going to get an A. You're like, yes. And then you have the teachers that are like, I usually give out one A and you're all like, oh my gosh, I was because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I was like, who is that? Because it's going to be me. You know, and the government's the same way. So what I found are things that are low risk, like products. Typically, it's based on cost or certain things that people do, like religious services, usually just on cost. Janitorial, cost, because it's low risk. At the end of the day, if you mess up this order, are lives lost? No. If you don't clean the building, are lives lost? No. Not unless it's a hospital then it's high, that's higher risk. So for lower risk, it's usually price. For medium risk, medium risk would be something where maybe they're looking for you to staff 50 people. 
and they want to make sure you can afford to do that. Because some people in government contracting scam. They scam the government? Oh, yes. We have a contract with the Navy for dental IT specialists. Because they have dental offices for the Navy, right? Two contractors ago, they won the money, took off. And never paid for people. Isn't that horrible? Oh my God, you deal with a government here. I know. People don't matter if you don't care. I mean, you have your social security. They can track you left and right. I know, but they do it all the time. All the time. They won't pay the team. They won't pay their subs. There was an article that there was a gentleman who didn't pay his uh, construction subs. There are people who will lie to get certain set-asides, to get contract awards. I mean, it, it's it's this world where I really wish somebody like CoffeeZilla story on it. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be the next one if you want to expose them. I know. I feel like I might have to. Because there are some really wild things that go on. And then we end up suffering. Because then an agency will ask for like proof of a line of credit, or they'll say you can't use a team in another country because somebody tried to bamboozle the contract before you mm -hmm. and do something that they shouldn't have done. So medium risk is that. High risk is something where lives are on the line, security's on the line. So it could be, for instance, Amazon has a really huge, it's like a billion dollar contract with the Pentagon for cloud computing and stuff. That's super high risk. Nobody wants Johnny's computing in their basement doing that, <laughs> you know. Did they actually, let's say they pay you, are they pay you a full amount or they pay you quarter by quarters, like little by little, I wanna see you performing, I paid this. I see you next performing, I paid this. Is that how it works? That's a great question. It depends on your contract. So going back to like a product, usually you're paid after you deliver and then they confirm it. Because they, if they said no refurbished, they want to make sure it's not refurbished. Or if it's what I call a one and done, like one of my students won a contract for a cement slab. He delivered the cement slab. He was able to invoice. Now, my client who has the janitorial work, they will invoice every month. So every month for five years, they'll receive cash coming in. It's directly deposited to your bank. Then lastly, there are some efforts like construction. They may pay a, a portion of like your bonding or give you monies for your supplies. Yeah. Then there are projects like the one that we're bidding on right now for some research where each deliverable is a line item. So it's like, uh, what is it? Deliver project plan, line item. Deliver focus group questions and guide is a line item. And so we know we will only get paid when they not only review it, but they approve it. 
So, uh, so a Kaiser, kind of a Kizzy strategy is to have a document. So when you deliver, you have them sign off, sign off. So then you can validate providing your advice. Okay. How are you convince your suppliers? Hey, I have a government contract. I will pay you after they pay me. But how you convince them? Uh, you give them the whole the contracts. I like, hear the government. That's the government side. That's the proof. Is that how it works? It depends. Some suppliers they may have an exclusive relationship and say we're not going to sell to you. I know. So you got to find a workaround, or you look to sell this. I mean, they they buy meat for bureaus of prison, cheese, milk. I've had coaching students win contracts with bureaus of prison. As long as somebody has the cash to pay for it, there's somebody who's willing to sell it to you. Got it. So is this any different like from city, uh, state, and actual government? Is that totally different or they are the same? Big picture, it's the same. Selling a product or service to the government, but there are nuances. I feel like at the state and local level, you can do a lot more smoothing. You can really leverage lobbyists as a small business. Okay. And not that you can't use lobbyists with the federal government. It just, I get the vibe. It's a whole different experience. We are on a subcontract with the state of Florida. Mm. We have never received any state level prime contracts. So I like to put that out there. I know what it takes to win them, but right now we subcontract. And the beauty of that is we didn't have to do any of the hard work. We didn't have to find the opportunity, bid on the opportunity. We didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. We simply have to provide people to fill different positions throughout the state of Florida. So I like state contracts because they're so diverse and you can quickly win them. I had a woman reach out to me, I believe it was for the state of Louisiana. She won a contract to sell them televisions. Television? Yeah, television. Like she got them on, I think Sam's Club or something. Oh, that's amazing. You're right. Go to Sam's Club or Costco. Right. <laughs> now you are teaching hundreds of students. What are the common mistakes your student make? Not believing in themselves, that's number one. You must believe in whatever it is you offer. If you're like, I'm gonna offer whatever it is I need to sell, then you make sure you know, and the agencies know, you are the greatest at doing that. That's first and foremost. Second is really lacking wanting to accept what it takes to win. Because default, we go into, oh, well, I can do that, so I'm gonna bid on it. It's like, no, 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 no. Can you win it? Because what'll happen is people will bid. I get, I get messages like this all the time. I've been on 20 things. I've been doing this for four years. I didn't win anything. Because you're not accepting what it really takes to win. And maybe you just don't know what it takes. And so by helping them with that, that takes them to the next level. The third thing is they get a little freaked out on the business side, especially 
if they have been like a subcontractor or they've really never owned a business before. Mm -hmm. So then they're really freaked out about profit or how you pay people. And then they get caught up in the, the things that are unimportant because the most important in federal government contracting, you have to sell no different than any business and selling means submitting bids. You must submit bids. You must do that. So instead of being focused on having a handbook and which accounting platform you're going to use, it doesn't matter. You have to win when you win then we figure it out because if you don't have any sales then why do you why does it matter <laughs> you don't have any sales let's say that if you win the bid i don't know what to do next <laughs> no that's common that's really common i didn't always know what to do next you know there's still times when i fumble but then i just get it together and go back on the field so typically what will happen is the government will let you know that you won. It could be a phone call. It could be an email. It could be both. Or maybe there's even a delay and you find out online before they tell you. Okay. So for instance, um, this woman, Angerica, who I recently interviewed for my channel, she received a notice from a payment platform that the government used. It said something like, here's your invitation to join. And so she's like, oh, I guess I must have won. Okay. <laughs> so that's number one, is figuring out if you won. And then the next step is you're gonna sign the required paperwork. After you review it, then you're gonna set up a meeting with them. You have a kickoff call with them. Do you have to deal with your lawyer when it comes to those? Not at all. It's just you going back through it and comparing it against what you submitted. So for instance, my coaching client, they noticed that the dollar amounts were off. So they brought that to their attention. There have been times with us where maybe they didn't include the travel. So we brought that to their attention. Or maybe there was some requirement about uh, like background check. So we brought that to their attention because that wasn't stated before. Okay. Uh, yeah. So a lot of, uh, let's say you win. However, before you win, you will get a lot of rejection. So how do you deal with the rejection? Are you submit again, like after 30 days? 90 days or next year's? So with the, the government, there are opportunities posted every day. You brush yourself off and you bid again and try to figure out what you did wrong. So in the federal government, you may ask for what's called a debrief. Okay. So as soon as you find out if you didn't win, you email them and call them and ask for a debrief. And they may give it to you over the phone. They may give it to you in an email. They may give it to you in a document. So then you can learn what you can do better. So debrief is some form of feedback, right? Isn't mm -hmm. it? Okay. Got it. All right, cool. You mentioned 
there's a top five government contract service that making people million, okay? Motor vehicle, medical service, IT, professional service, facility and construction. Any of these five servers that stand out and which of them that your student have a lot of success with? Facilities and professional services. Because under facilities or facilities management is janitorial. Janitorial contracts, HVAC, those are very simple to win because they're low risk for the most part. They're low risk. Professional services, that encompasses training, development, admin, meetings, all kinds of things like that. And those can be really simple to win because again, they're often low risk. If I'm asking for some, for, for instance, this is a real opportunity right now where an agency is looking for a firm to help them facilitate two meetings. I believe the meetings are in Alaska. I mean, at the end of the day, unless you're really bad, how can you really mess that up? <laughs> I mean, you really can't. So those are really easy to win. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. You know what I'm excited for? Your new book coming out. Yes. The GovCon Winner Way. Yes. Would you like to let us know a little glimpse about your book? Yes, GovCon Win. You can go to the Winners Way Book dot com. The Winners Way Book dot com. Pre-order and you get a bunch of free items. You get a bunch of free stuff for pre-ordering. So in this book. I lay out what's needed to win to help you faster than doing it on your own. So the book covers my story. It talks about one of my favorite tips, which is dialing for dollars. And that is setting up different meetings with the federal government so that they can like trust you and get to know you. So then they're going to want to sole source work for you. And you don't have to worry about competing against all these firms. I also provide in their email templates. I have some really cool success stories in there. I give all of the tips that I used and continue to use. Because the difference with this book is I actually have government contract. There's a lot of people that write a lot on government contracting. I don't really know if they've ever won any contracts. But we always do. I mean, we just won an $8 million contract a couple of days ago. Congratulations. Yes. With the FDA. Oh, wow. So I, I, I put, put everything into that book. Um, do you know when it's coming now? So we can expect I do. it. <laughs> the end of September, early October All is the right. plan. Perfect. I definitely, yes. definitely gonna put that link in my description. People gonna can't wait to see your book. I can't wait. Either. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm excited for you too. Okay, I'm looking back. Looking back, what advice would you give someone who considered to starting? Here's the, the the question: of all of the market, all of the things that you can sell. You have to ask yourself, why 
the federal government. You have to ask yourself why. So for me, yes, I was provided this opportunity when I was a graduate research fellow, but the entire reason I was even at Patrick is because I thought about my dad who served in the army. I thought of my grandparents who served in the military. I thought about my brothers who served in the military. And I thought, oh, well, this would be really cool. This is kind of my way of, of, of kind of serving. And so then it's evolved. So the other thing that's really important if you go this space is being very open to this amazing government and our amazing country because there are all different agencies. And so if you're willing to sell product or service that the government is looking to buy and you have a good why that's good enough for you, that's all that matters. Is it good enough for you? Then enter into this space. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. Well, Kinsey, thank you for having you on this podcast. I love to have you next time when we meet together in Miami again. Yeah. I hope you coming down. <laughs> If you come to Los Angeles, please, 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 please. We're going to do a second episode. Oh. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, be fun. <laughs> All right, Kenzie. I will see you next time. Yes. Okay.